But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. Anyways. Okay. I don't know about that, but I generally blame this on Shell. I blame lots of things on Shellbitter. Most bad things. That's, that's a true. safe. That's just, you know, yeah. the, the, the odds of being wrong on that uh, do approach zero. Blame it on Shellbitter. So one of the online forums that I, fo- I follow, uh, Shellbitter is a very active member of it. And he posed, being the troublemaker he is, and I can only conclude that he did this on purpose, Okay. <laughs> Being the troublemaker that he is, he proposed the the age-old mind-twister aviation question, all right, about whether if you have an airplane on a runway that is a conveyor belt, okay, and the conveyor belt would move at exactly the opposite wheel speed of the airplane as the airplane tried to take off, would the airplane actually move forward and take off? I, I take it he never watches Mythbusters. Well, many of us pointed that out pretty quickly, all right? And and like I said, Shelbiner knew what he was doing. He knows the answer to this, yes. all right? Yes. He knew he was just causing trouble, and he did cause trouble. Oh, my gosh, the thread that, that evolved on this, <laughs> all right? People who, some, most of them strangers, but a few people I knew who otherwise I consider to be very rational people, got this wrong all right and it was just an amazing thing that people people would really get dug in they'd say oh no it can't move forward because the but let me just first of all I, I just just a little reality check here all right because i saw reasonable people get this wrong what do you guys think will the airplane take off or what will happen oh, okay let me let me clarify okay conveyor belt i totally understand a conveyor belt yeah um the airplane is is sitting on the conveyor belt it yes. has wheels yes. the conveyor belt moves beneath it yes. the airplane doesn't really move with relation to the air around it is that what you're saying no i'm saying i'm saying that it starts it has, sitting it starts sitting on a stationary conveyor belt all right the the engine the, the airplane does whatever the airplane i'm trying not to i'm trying not to kind of like you know set this you're trying not to answer my question exactly no 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 no, no. i'm trying not to give the answer to the question um basically the conveyor belt gra- gradually speeds up to match the speed the 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 rotate the wheel speed of the airplane uh-huh. okay uh-huh. all right uh-huh. But everything else about the airplane is working exactly the way it would work under normal takeoff circumstances. And uh-huh. one of the givens here is the conveyor belt is very long, basically the length of the runway, all right, and as wide as the runway. It's not a factor in terms of space, okay? What happens? Nothing. What do you mean nothing? Nothing. Does the airplane move forward? You're not answering my question. Okay, what was your question again? Which is... The the conveyor belt is moving at a speed that let's say uh, is equal is five knots greater than the airplane's liftoff speed. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's postulate that. Okay. So the 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 conveyor belt is moving. It's moving. It's moving. It's moving. And and the the airplane is on the conveyor belt. Yes. And the air, the airplane's wheels are turning at this rate, which is let's say again five knots greater than its liftoff speed. Okay? Yeah. Okay, they're making revolutions that are equal to that lateral distance across the ground. Okay. okay. All right. The airplane is on this conveyor belt. The wheels are moving. Everything's humming. The, the prop is turning, yada, yada, yada. Um, the airplane's not going to lift off. 
oh my God, Higdon, help me here. Dave, Jeb doesn't understand it either. He gets it wrong too. Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, he did. How, how is it the smart people don't, this is such a mind bender. Jeb, the airplane will move forward because it's being driven by the propeller, not by the wheels. The wheels against the conveyor belt have no impact on the motion of the airplane, except a little bit of friction in the wheel. See, I, I, I asked you going into this. What? If the airplane was static with respect to the air around it, and you did not answer that question. No, the airplane is going to do whatever the airplane is going to do. That's kind of the fundamental of the question here, all right? <sighs> Sitting on a moving conveyor belt, will the airplane move forward, or will the conveyor belt drag it backwards relative to the surrounding terrain? And, 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 the, and the mistake people make is exactly what you just explained, Jack. And, you know, and, and when this was tested... Uh, on video with a, a radio-controlled car, what the common conception seems to be is exactly what happened. The car didn't move forward because the wheels could only mm-hmm. go as fast as the conveyor belt, you know, un- under whatever power the uh, controller put into it. Mm-hmm. But the wheels aren't the driving Right. Are the driving mechanism in an airplane, the, the, the engine, however it creates thrust, whether it's propeller or uh, jet exhaust, the engine's the only thing that counts here, and it doesn't make any difference how fast you move that conveyor belt, the engine's going to pull the airplane through the air, and it's going to take off. Yeah. As friends from my friends, the Weebies from B-Light Aircraft went to California and demonstrated graphically in a full-scale test at an abandoned airport in the Bay Area for the Mythbusters right. show. Right. That was your guy, huh? I thought it was, but I didn't recognize his name. Who is that the pilot? I thought I thought that was the guy, but uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, it may be. I, but yeah, so uh, now, so here's how weird the conversation in this online forum got, is that... Um, so I acknowledge that there is one wild card factor here, all right, and that is that although the wheels on against the conveyor belt are mostly not relevant, all right, there is the factor of the wheels will be rotating at roughly twice their normal RPM because they're not only moving forward, you know, through the air, but they're also being dragged backwards by the conveyor belt. And there is a little bit extra friction, I, I acknowledge, I think, in the, in the wheel bearings. But people went a little nuts on this in the forum. All right, They started going into, you know, well, you're going to exceed the uh, friction, the, the RPM limits of the wheel, and the wheel is going to break down, and the landing gear are going to fall off. And uh, by the way, in, in, Shellbetter's, no, no, no. in Shellbetter's model, this was a 747. All right, So obviously this was a very large-scale test. But... Uh, People went crazy about this. They thought, oh, the wheels are going to be spinning twice their speed, even if you accept the idea that the propeller pulls it through the air. The wheels and are spinning I, at twice the speed, and there's going to be more friction, and the landing gear can't take the lateral stresses. And, oh, my God, it got awful. It was just and unbelievable. I, I, I misspoke. It wasn't the Weebies from B-Light. They did a, a different one where they uh, right. repaired they, an airplane with masking tape. With the duct tape or one. Duct yeah, tape. The duct tape. Yeah, that was the Weebies, right? Yeah, so there was another guy. Uh, it was a similar kind of uh, you know, ultralight, Sean, micro-lightish. Sean Bostic. Yeah, it was another uh, light sport category, ultralight yeah. category. And they even tested it uh, with an RC model uh, before they did the full scale. The results were the same. You can move the conveyor in the wrong direction all you want to. 
but when the thrust on the engine exceeds the uh, uh, friction of the air and the wheels, the airplane moves forward and off it goes. Yeah. So and how fast the wheels are going? Uh, how fast the wheels are going is, is irrelevant. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to have to go a lot, lot faster than it needs to uh, take off for the uh, wheels to start suffering damage. I mean, that's what I thought too. What, yeah. what you might find out that is how out of balance the wheels are. Yeah. Right, because they are spinning roughly twice as fast as normal, and uh, so you might. But and and I, you know, and like you said, the, the MythBusters tested this, you know, in a full scale with them with an ultralight, and the airplane basically did its rollout on this quote. I'm making finger quotes runway, um, basically the way you would expect it to normally do. It's no problem. All right, it rolled and, forward. And when that episode ran, I was at a, a, a gathering of uh, other airheads, and the, the uh, episode came up in a discussion, and guys that had seen it. Still tried to yell, but it to death. <laughs> yeah, but this and yeah, but that. And it's a, dude, there's no yell buts to it. I mean, if you sit there with your brakes on, will your airplane move forward? And he goes, well, if I give it enough power, it might overcome the brakes. Exactly. So why do you think just having the wheels rolling the wrong way, well, in the way that you'd be going to take off by a conveyor belt, would do what the brakes can't do, and that is keep it from moving. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I think they gamed it somehow. Uh, no, they didn't. They didn't have to game it. That's it's physics. Isn't it crazy? It's like, so I just want to go back and before we're going to move on here, but, um, so yeah. Jeb, I, I do want to understand. So okay. obviously you understand time, time the physics. You, I don't deny. I, I, you I, I completely, I completely understand the physics and I completely agree with you. The question you posed was not the question you answered. And that's what I want to right. understand. What, what, how, what, you never told me the engine was running and all this other crap. Oh no, I said it was taking, well, I tried to say it was taking off normally. No, 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 no. All right. No, 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 no. Um, Okay. So Jack's homework is to work on his question structure. I guess so, huh? I guess so. Anyways, Shellbetter, it's all Shellbetter's fault. It's all it's all Shellbetter's fault, and I think we should repay him for this. I know, really. We will at some well, in some fashion. We will. I, I think that's a I think that's a good idea. We're gonna have to plan for that. We'll come, we'll come at, up with at something. a at a date in in manner of our choosing. But probably <laughs> early April. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hey, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in the beautiful but wintry uh, uh, Nottingham, New Hampshire, and uh, where it's been it's been actually unseasonably warm for about a week, but not as unseasonably warm as some places I understand. Um, but and whatever you back, do, you don't want to get in trouble up there because then he'll call the sheriff of Nottingham. I know, and then we'll get in big trouble. But uh, so, yeah. Anyways, I'm here in my uh, virtual hangar, our virtual hangar, talking to uh, my two good friends here. Uh, one of those voices out there is uh, coming to us from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, David Higdon. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm having a wonderful new year so far. Uh-huh. So far, so good. When we, when we last talked to you, you were in, visiting family in, uh, in uh, uh, Indiana. Uh, how was, uh, and you had, j- had told us a little bit about the ordeal getting there. How did, how did getting home go? Uh, getting home was, the uh, what's the, my favorite word from flying long cross countries? Uneventful. Uneventful. Okay. Glad to hear it. Yeah. I drove back on, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, mm-hmm. because more of that kind of, uh, freezing rain and, uh, ice storm weather was, uh, forecast for Christmas day. 
when I normally when I'd originally planned to go back. So I, I left uh, Indiana about uh, seven o'clock Eastern time. I rolled into my driveway about five thirty Central time, about uh, <clears throat> ten and a half hours later. There you go. Uh, virtually no traffic going through St. Louis. Uh, no weather. Uh, fat, numb, and happy, but mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. Now, um, you were during the pre-show. You were telling me that it's uh, it's it's chilly there right now in the teens. Um, but uh, it, you say it got it got unseasonably warm there over the last few days too. What was it like? Uh, well, we had uh, let's see, Christmas Day. It was almost seventy here at my place, uh, and uh, New Year's Eve it was uh, above average warm, and then above average warm on New Year's Day, and since then. It's been colder than a well digger shovel. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the way it's getting here too. So anyways. Um speaking of colder than a well digger's shovel, I don't know if that works at all. Come from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, where it's not in the teens. Um, um and I don't know if it's unseasonably warm or not, but uh is uh, I, I have I have this theory. Yeah. That that in in the wintertime when we do these introductions you always choose David first. Oh, really? Be, so that you can commiserate about the weather, and <laughs> and, and and that yeah. I don't get I don't get to say anything. Okay, there may be some the truth to that. There, there, I, 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 you know, I have I'll, this I, this theory, and I think maybe you know some of the bad boys may, maybe want to go back and, and research this. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Before we go um, much further, let me make sure. I, uh, this is my other good friend, uh, Jeb Burns. <laughs> <laughs> I always figured he just flipped a snowflake from from the ins- the crazy warm, but I'm looking forward to it, Sarasota, Florida. Um, yes. You know what? You might be right, Jeb. I, I may have to. I may have to uh, plead it's guilty. It's just a theory to this it's one. No, no. Although I try, although I have no system, I do try to mix them up in terms of order. But it and, is and don't possible. Mis- and don't, don't misunderstand. I, 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 it's an observation. It's not a comment. Yeah. Okay. All right. There's there's nothing critical I'm saying here. No it's question. Just an there observation. Could, yeah, but no question. There could be a commiseration factor involved here. Maybe that's the yeah. episode title: commiseration factor. Uh, so. Uh, Anyways, what are you doing, Jeb? Is it is it unseasonably warm or cold there? It's it's nice. We had a cold front come through yesterday. It blew out a bunch of moisture and, and fog and, and nonsense that was popping up overnight and in the mornings. Uh, a little unsettled today. There's still some some puffies moving through. Um, uh, probably gonna the wind's probably gonna pick up a little bit later today. Although it's it's nice and uh, um, nice and steady right now. Nice and nice and calm right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here. I got a long sleeve shirt on. That's kind of my my uh, contribution uh, to uh, winter weather, um, and um, just enjoying. You know, heat's off, air conditioning's off, all that stuff is is has been off, and got some windows open. It's a nice day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very so, nice. Well, I'm there yeah. in less than a week. So yeah, I know. Well, I know. actually, I don't arrive until a week from tomorrow, but I right. leave here. On, right. on Wednesday, actually, I'm taking the scenic route. I mean, yeah, there's this there's this new thing. It's called uh, oh, an airplane. Yeah, yeah, that's I know. It. Well, I don't have an airplane. I have a car, and so mm. um, although they, if they I had sell, an airplane, they sell they sell space on them nowadays. Any, yeah, no, we're trying to cut back on that. Um, okay, but uh, but the flying my own airplane part 
is has a lot of appeal, although it would take very nearly as long on the kind of airplanes I fly, not the kind of airplanes you fly, but the kind of airplanes I fly. Yeah, I'm going to say just it, it it does matter what kind of airplane. You yeah, fly. it would take it would take me still a couple days to get down there probably to do it safely and reasonably and and whatnot. So you'd have a lot more fun though. I might because I yeah yeah because low not low low but low not not high, you you go you go zooming up to the you don't quite make the flight levels but you go I know because. Because you play the winds and you do all that kind of cool stuff. And uh, um, there's a science to some of this. I understand that, uh, but it's also an art. I've watched you do it. It's uh, it's, mm. very, it's very interesting. And uh, so, Jeb, we uh, um, you went flying recently. I mean, you go flying all the time. Um, but but one particular uh, flight, you had a little bit of a thing with uh, with ATC, a, 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 an experience, not a bad thing necessarily, but a, yeah, but a a thing, learning, an interesting a learning experience. Yeah, you know, learning what experience happened? for everybody. Yeah, I was um, um, blasting into a um, let's call it a, a southeastern U.S. airport. Okay, uh, that happens to be a, a class Delta, that also happens to be nestled within the southern edge of a class charlie okay uh, all right so so that, that's the airspace configuration um i was ifr um severe clear day but i'd filed ifr anyway because it was um because right. i can't yeah no, uh, I, I think it's why yeah <clears throat> and um so i'm i'm letting down i'm working talking to tracon um I'm letting down. I'm, I'm looking for the airport. I find the airport visually. I'm cleared for the visual approach to runway X. Okay. Yeah. And I switch frequencies, and there's a there's silence on the frequency. So I announce my presence. Um. 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 Five one Sierra is is uh, three miles out. Final for runway X uh, on the visual. You know, something like that. Right. And and um, there's some other traffic in the area it's on the frequency, working another runway and whatnot. There's like three airplanes or something like that on the downwind. And I hear, um, you know, controllers and, and, you know, talking to those airplanes and whatnot. And I get close to the runway and I get close to the runway. And I don't have, I have not heard any response from the tower and I don't have a landing clearance. Right. So I go around. And I make a transmission to the effect that I'm I'm going around. And uh, controller comes on and says, "Yeah, um, says yeah, sorry, but no problem." Says um, I cleared you to land. I said, "Well, you know that, that's great, and I I understand, but I just never heard you." And he says, "No problem. Make left traffic uh, for that runway. And you're cleared to land. Okay, great." So I'm I'm climbing. I uh, climb up. I turn crosswind. I turn start to turn downwind. And um, the, another controller comes on the radio and says, who just took off on my runway X? Okay. He, you know, he, he's like, what's, what's the end number? And I didn't say anything because I hadn't taken off right. on, on runway X. And he comes back and says, who just took off on runway X? I want an end number or words to that effect. And I finally figured out he was talking about me. I'm on, you know, by this time I'm on downwind. And uh, so, well, you know, this isn't November, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm an IFR arrival. Um, I just went around from a visual approach to runway X because I didn't have a clearance to land. Another controller on this same frequency cleared me to enter left traffic for this runway. Over to you, sir. 
and uh, uh, he came back slightly less mm, urgent and said, oh, okay, well, you're, you're now cleared to, to make right traffic for the other runway on which all the other students were landing. I said, okay, well, we, can, we can do that, which I did, and, and the rest of the arrival was basically uneventful. Um, and I rolled out and, and uh, was told to contact ground, and, and okay, I'll talk to ground. And uh, Ground comes on and says, hey, by the way, uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, uh, we sometimes have trouble with the, the parent Tracon facility giving us heads ups on, on arrivals and, and whatnot. And, and you kind of fell into that crack. And, and uh, uh, everything's cool. We're not angry with you or anything like that. I said, you didn't do anything wrong, he says. And I said, well, dude, you know, I know I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. He says, no, you did everything fine. And, and uh, you know, taxi the ramp and yada, yada. And that was pretty much the end of it. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I'm, thanks to uh, um, our good friend Dave Pascoe and his live ATC.net uh, uh, site. I, I pulled the audio f- from that, and, and uh, um, some of the audio, you know, nothing's perfect, and, and it's free, so you get everything you pay for. Some of the audio uh, got walked on because uh, LiveATC.net is trying to monitor three or four frequencies at right. the same time, and, and which ultimately I think is part of the problem. I have no doubt that controller, that first controller, cleared me to land. I, I believe him. I understand. Take him at his word. I never heard the clearest land, and I suspect that's because of so many other frequencies, so many other transmitters on the frequency. Um, oh, that you some, think he got stepped on, or you think he transmitted I, I, on the wrong frequency? I think. Well, that could be. It could be that he transmitted on the wrong frequency because he was that voice was working ground control frequency. Um, so either he transmitted on the wrong frequency, uh, which again, the live ATC tapes don't bear out or, um, a transmission got blocked and I think it got blocked or, you know, he, he tried to key the mic and it never, never really fully pressed the button or, you know, something I never heard the clearance plan. Um, you know, it was a big deal for that one controller for about 30 seconds, and, and you know, that was the end of it. But I, I guess the punchline in all that is the system worked as it as, it, as intended. Right. Uh, um, it, you don't it's have self-correcting, a right? It, it's, it's, it's self-correcting. You don't have a clearance to land, you don't land. Um, you, 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 um, you comply with, you know, controllers know what's going on. You comply with their instructions. You, you make space, you land, it, it all works out and, and there you go. Right. Um, um, so I, again, I think the, the punchline is even though there was some, some confusion and, and a lot of traffic and with six different transmitters, uh, uh, going off on the same frequency at the same time, uh, you know, confusion reigns. But the system worked as it's supposed to. Ultimately, yes. And, and I don't, don't want to blow this out of proportion because it is what it is. It's just an interesting incident um, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. We, you shared, by the way, I should just confess that you shared the audio with us. So we've, we've, actually, right. we've heard this audio. Um, and, and it wasn't real clear to me what was going on. I only listened to it once. Um, your telling of it clarifies a lot of things that I didn't quite get when I was listening to the, uh, to the actual audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm embarrassed that I don't I I'm pretty sure I know the rule here. Um, I always acknowledge a clearance to land. Aren't we in fact required to acknowledge a yes. clearance to land? Okay. Yes. So to the extent the system didn't work, the controller should have realized that you didn't acknowledge. His, assuming he cleared you to land, 
and then you didn't acknowledge the clear to land, mm-hmm. that should have set off a flag for him. And it apparently, I, I would, I, I would agree. Um, and that certainly, um, I don't, I don't know what you, what you want to call it, a demerit on his side. Um, but you know, all I, all the only, the first transmission, the only transmission I made before executing the go around was my, my in number, my position, my intentions, mm-hmm. which is, you know, nominal. And I never heard a response to that. Yeah. So how, how you resolve that is the way I resolve no, it. No, I agree. By, I, go, by going around. And, and, um, and yep. So yeah, in a perfect world, not having heard a landing clearance readback slash confirmation, the controller might have inquired uh, of, you know, did you receive your landing clearance? Uh, He didn't for whatever reasons. And those reasons may include he's used to pilots not acknowledging a landing clearance. Those reasons may include, um, in fact, he, 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 he thought another aircraft Oh. Uh, acknowledging a landing clearance it was me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I did. I didn't get the, uh, the the chance to ask that question. But I, I agree. It, it it is a it is a a, a a compliment to the system that there are also these fallbacks. Um, you know, in, in I call in in my tech work, I call this failing gracefully. Um, mm-hmm. The system mm-hmm. fails gracefully, uh, which means that when something goes wrong, it isn't the end of the world because there are multiple levels that will catch. You know, or alternatives, or or what? Right, yeah. right. You know, so that's good. David, you're awful quiet. What's go- what do you think? I think Jeb did everything right, and that's a very dangerous situation they have with the tracon and and the overlaps on the uh, runway controls there. And I'm surprised somebody hasn't jumped on that and tried to fix it. Yeah. I guess uh, but, the the controller or the ground guy when he was talking to you said something about this happens all the time or somebody at some point in the stage of the game said yeah no, not not his exact words but he basically said our problem is with the tracon not yeah. with you yeah. and apparently this that kind of um um lack of communication apparently does happen um with some frequency between that tower and that tracon um, not necessarily in that Tracon's defense or even in the tower's defense. Um, the facts of the matter are that I was late picking up the airport visually, uh, well within the Delta by the time I got, uh, a clearance to make the visual approach and to contact the tower. So all things considered, um, the, the whole time line was compressed Perhaps more so than than is normal, and perhaps more so than is that tower is accustomed with a bunch of skyhawks running around uh, a VFR in the pattern in close traffic. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, the lesson here, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. The lesson here is that you need to not only know the primary procedures, make sure you're you're conversant with all the secondary and and you know other tertiary. Is that the right word? It, tertiary procedures. It always helps to know the rules. Yeah, yeah. Know what yeah. know what you do if the first thing uh-huh. goes doesn't go uh-huh. as expected. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and and for those who are, who might wonder and and whatnot, yes, I did file an ASRS report. 
Um, and, and yes, um, um, I don't anticipate, or I should say no, uh, there's certainly not going to be any enforcement or anything like that come out of this, but, I, but for the good of the system, I did file an ASRS. Right, right. Did you, by the way, was was it a, a tower controller shift change? Is that why you heard two different voices? One guy cleared you to go? No, they, they got two people. That was the other problem. They got two people in the tower working the same frequency. And... You know, my, part of my, and I, I wrote something up about this for for uh, the February issue of Aviation Safety. I said, you know, part of my frustration or, or or head scratching is why couldn't the first controller tap the second guy on the shoulder and say, hey, Bonanza on the go, making left traffic runway X, no factor for your runway, and that, you know, five second five second conversation is all that would take. Where the first controller apparently never communicated with the second controller. Right. The second controller being the guy who said, who are you and why are you in my airspace? Oh, uh, I see. Kind of, so the guy who initially cleared you to do the go, not cleared you to do the go around, but cleared you to get into traffic after the go around, uh-huh. was, he never, the, was the guy he, working the other runway, not the runway you were lined up for? No. Let's let's back up. No, I'm, um, I'm confusing the thing. I'm sorry. No, 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 it's not it's not that big a deal. But um, the 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 controller who cleared me for the left downwind is supposedly the controller who cleared me to land in the first place. He's the one I would call the first controller. I see. The second controller is the guy who was like, "What are you doing? Taking off from my runway? Who who are you? What are you doing in my airspace?" Who was quite clearly agitated. Um. Why the two of them, who are in the same tower cab, working the same frequency, didn't see this or fix this or communicate about this is another question. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Do these these two diagonal runways, obviously they intersect somehow, some way. Do they intersect, what, at their ends? The airport is laid out in one of those standard World War II triangle things. Yeah, okay. And um, so they don't intersect on the ground exactly, but obviously they don't. They don't intersect in the ground on the ground, I should say. But clearly, the the the, the takeoff, departure paths, landing paths yeah. do intersect uh, in that airspace. Yes, yeah. interesting. I want to see. I'm going to read your thing in safety when it comes out. That'll be interesting. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Is going so. On? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. No. I, I need to decide. So one of you needs to explain this next item on the list to me because I need to decide whether I need to have a, ta- a talk with our friend, particularly your friend, Rick Perry. Mm-hmm. What is this? David, you put this on the list. Uh, something about um, mobile wire. Dev- As I understand it, this is all about using cell phones on an airliner. Yes? What? What is this? Yeah, it's a uh, NPRM from the uh, DOT, tra- uh-huh. Department of Transportation. Yeah. Uh, which proposes to require air carriers to provide adequate advance notice to passengers if the carrier operating the flight allows passengers to make voice calls using mobile wireless devices. The comment the, the department was comment on whether to prohibit airlines from allowing such calls, uh, and we're not talking about you using your cell phone freeform, but using it through their Wi-Fi connection. I see. And the uh, reason for the NPRM is because there's a fairly vocal contingent of air, 
uh, frequent flyers that would just prefer everybody sit down, shut up, and be quiet. I, I, I'm, I'm basically <laughs> among that group. All right, I, 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 I am too. You know, I mean, I, I, I welcomed our, the allow you know Wi-Fi on the airplanes and 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 loosening some of the other requirements about devices, but making phone calls. You know, it's bad enough that it happens. You know, during taxi, you know, before, <coughs> after, and sometimes before flight. Um, but uh, you know, for it to happen throughout the entire length of the flight, that could be a thing. No. Yeah, and I put this on there because uh, you know, many many years of studies have uh, revealed that general aviation pilots are above average users of air carrier service for various reasons. You know, sometimes you take the airplane someplace for an annual. You got airline back. Sometimes the airplane breaks. Sometimes the weather says, not tonight, Josephine. You're going to get a common carrier. Uh, for all those reasons, I thought that people might be interested in knowing that this is in play and this is their opportunity to express their feelings about the whole idea. Right. Uh, you, you, as you and I have just expressed ours, uh, I got no problem with texting, uh, web surfing, all those silent things that we can use Wi-Fi for on air carriers. But I'm really not keen on overhearing other people's conversations no. on an airliner any more than I am, admittedly, in a restaurant right. or a bar or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you can even hear them in a bar, uh, those kind of things. Right. But that's just me personally. Uh, I do like the ability to text when I'm on an aircraft, uh, using my computer uh, to send email, uh, if I'm working, uh, and, and I try really hard not to work on airlines, I like to pay attention to what's going on around me, not what's on a computer. But that's just me. Okay. So everybody right. has their own feelings. Make your put. Jeb, go ahead. I, I agree with both of you. I, to me, it's not so much the... the uh, um, making phone calls or, or having conversations on the phone um, someone sitting next to me or something like that. although that's certain you know having someone nonstop talking whether he or she is a seatmate whether he or she is a child sitting behind you whether um, whatever uh, I don't want to be bothered I don't I don't want my my beautiful mind to be corrupted by any of this <laughs> Um, I also don't another want another episode damn, title. Another episode title. Uh, I also don't want the damn phone ringing. Oh yeah, okay. I never thought of that. See, You're right. See, that's that's. I don't know if if that's covered in this NPRM. Making a call uh, is is one thing, but having your el your cell phone ring at three a.m. over the Northern Pacific. Uh, is is not something I would look forward to. Right. Um, right. No. No. I'm just, so that's yeah. that's you know that's kind of my my thing. There's a lot of technical stuff going on here, but the in addition, in in with the the advent, or I should say, the advances made recently in uh, airborne um, connectivity, uh, it's obviously fairly common. To have internet capability uh, over some of the more, more remote stretches of uh, of the continent or of the planet right. these days, and that's a great thing. Uh, um, um, <laughs> I won't give examples, but uh, let's yeah. just say yeah, let's just say that that's a that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, expanding that and and enabling voice communication from every seat in the airplane to every point on Earth. 
um, is certainly a, a great technological achievement also. I just simply don't know if um, um, that's this is an appropriate venue for that. Right. Um, and, but go ahead. Well, I, I just want to clarify, make sure, because now I'm a little confused, and I just want to make sure we've stated this clearly. The proposed rule, David, correct me if I'm wrong here, the proposed rule is that the airlines must advise passengers whether this is allowed or not. Is that the proposed rule? Yep. Okay. So the proposed rule does not mandate whether it should be allowed or not. Right. They're also asking people whether it should be allowed. Uh, okay. All right. And then my other question is, I pointed the finger at Rick Perry. What's Rick Perry's role in this? I'm sorry? What is Rick Perry's role in this? He's just put it in play. He he publicized it because most people don't see the Federal Register every day. And okay. Rick <laughs> has a job which lets him see the Federal so, Register every day. Okay. So I, I misunderstood. He's neither the author nor the sponsor of this proposed No, rule. no, no. That's this true. is an in-house DOT uh, uh, rule. Okay. I don't have to have a talk with Or proposal, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, th- I, I initially thought he might have been the, the the sponsor or the you know the proponent of this rule. No. Um, no. But he's not. No, Rick Rick did what we're doing is, yeah. is, is is advising our extended audience that there's this proposal that uh, may affect them and that they may have an opinion on and if so how the NPRM information on the link that we'll post will show you how to uh, read the NPRM and comment which we encourage people to do. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good then. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. then yeah. thank yeah. you uh, AEAVP Rick Perry. I appreciate that. That's good good good. Good on you. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as 10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Dave Higdon shares how to demonstrate his youthful vigor while working on his project plane. Trying to prove how much I can sweat up a t-shirt in one hour. Back now with more of Uncontrolled Airspace. All right then, moving on. What else we got huh. here? Um, continuous turn. Um, yeah. This is an interesting question. Uh, David, you proposed this question. What was your question? Well, the Air Safety Institute at AOPA and uh, other safety organizations have put this in play with a study on whether a continuous turn pattern might be a safer, no pun intended, approach uh, that's less prone to the kind of stall spin and in-flight loss of control accidents that are still at the top of the list in terms of general aviation accidents and fatalities. And, boy, did this light things up. Yeah. Now, Uh, first of all... Just the mere publication of the news that they were studying this 
brought people out of the woodwork and, and the anger that I hear from some of these voices over even suggesting something different than the rectangular box pattern, uh, it, it kind of puzzles me, actually, because yeah. a whole lot of military guys learn to do this, uh, particularly carrier-based Navy pilots in low-wing aircraft, and did it Quite successfully, if you if you happen to notice any old World War II footage. Yeah. So, let me, David, let me ask you to pause here for a second and just back up a step here and describe sure. for me what exactly a conter- continuous turn pattern is. Um, okay. Well, let's let's start with our with our standard issue. What they teach in flight school: rectangular p- pattern. You go. You enter the downwind on a forty-five from whatever direction to whatever runway. You go past the end of the runway at, at, at a distance that seems to vary wildly, depending on the pilot in the airport, to some distance beyond the end of the runway where you make a turn to base, whether that's a left or right immaterial. You make a turn to base, and somewhere far enough ahead of lining up with the center line, you're supposed to make a turn to final. Yeah. And you make that turn to final and set up your approach and decelerate, cross the numbers, and touch down. In a lot of accident scenarios that have been investigated heavily for years, pilots have overshot that last turn point from base to final and tried to crank back to the runway center line incorrectly adding rudder when they shouldn't leading to a cross control stall spin entry and too often crash right so the study is to determine whether a continuous 180 degree turn starting when you're a beam of the end of the runway you start that turn 180 degrees continuous descent back to the center line might not help eliminate some of those accidents Mm -hmm. that's caused by low altitude stalls. It was the standard issue approach for carrier pilots for decades. And I had one guy say, oh, that that works. It it didn't work on high-wing aircraft. Well, the Navy did it on high-wing aircraft. They did it on biplane aircraft. They did it on low-wing aircraft. Uh, it it can work on all of them as long as you keep the end of the runway in sight. And that might mean starting the turn a little bit ahead of being a beam, the end of the runway, just so that the end of the runway doesn't disappear under your wing. Either way, it's an approach that was taught to me when I first started hang gliding as a way to get a high-performance wing into a field that is otherwise too small for you to just come over the tree line at, at, on final and then get down before you ran out of field. So the practice would be to come downwind next to the tree line on the uh, one edge of the field and then make a continuous turn back. I use this when I started my flying lessons, and my flight instructor said, well, for the check ride, they're going to want you to do it this way, but if this approach works for you, fine. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that it was easier. It took up less time. I spent, you know, I, I didn't go way down past the end of the runway to turn base and then come back on final. And I know there's going to be all kinds of opinions on, oh, that was a bad thing. But it works. Right. My opinion, you pick which one works best for you and perfect it. Thank you. 
and Thank don't you. let yes. anybody tell you that there is only one way that's the right way and nothing else is correct because I'm sorry in aviation there is no only one way right so that's just so much blowing snow in my opinion but you pick the one that works best for you that you're the most comfortable with and if you're really good at the rectangular pattern you're not going to be one of those guys that overshoots that turn to final and have to try to either crank back or more correctly go around as a smart pilot on this podcast just talked about doing. Uh, and if it's a continuous turn, and what we're talking about here is you get a beam the runway, you pull the power back, and you do a 180-degree turn while you're in a continuous descent so that you roll out just before the runway threshold. You're set up. You're down to landing speed. You pull the power the rest of the way. You flare. You touch down. I've had it work for me in high-wing airplanes and low-wing airplanes and biplanes. Uh, I like them both. I vary them according to what the traffic is at the airport I'm flying into. Mm -hmm. If there's nobody else in the pattern, I use my 180 continuous turn. Yeah. If I'm having to insert into traffic that's already there, I try to go with the flow. Uh, but too often what happens is going with the flow means that somebody goes instead of a half a mile past the runway and turning base, they go a mile past the runway, which means the next guy has to go a mile and a half past the runway, which means the next guy has to go two miles, and it gets ridiculous. Uh, I like the continuous 180 turn, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. Jeb, what do you think? I agree with David. I, Mark, Mark, you just stay on your calendar. I know. Um, huh? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> only um, took us 11 years. Only took 11 years, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, whatever blows up your skirt thing. Um, I've done it both ways also. Typically, um, I'll do a squared off pattern. Um, I have flown, I was just thinking, I. Um, uh, did an arrival at Oshkosh several years ago. This was before the NOTAM went into effect. It was a right um, uh, tower was still in operation. They cleared me to do a right downwind, and and I was kind of close in, so I just did a, a rolled into a, a, a bank of X degrees um, in descending turn and rolled out right, you know, perfectly aligned with the center line without having to adjust the bank or adjust the descent or anything else. And it was a thing of beauty. I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Um, the flip side of that is, um, uh, you know, I was trained to do the rectangular pattern. Sometimes my base leg is very short uh, in that um, I've gotten to the point over the years where um, I make a close-in downwind. Um, I, I lengthen that downwind past the threshold to get the airplane configured and get it slowed down. And then I kind of make a turn to, to the base and often find that I'm close enough in that I don't have to make a base. I just continue the turn mm -hmm. and roll out on final. The only – the high wing, low wing thing is, is, I think, bogus in the sense that you always have um, – the high wing, low wing, quote problem, if you will. Uh, in high wing, when you when you turn uh, in the pattern, uh, you tend to the the wing tends to block your view of the runway. Um, at the same time, if you're in a low wing airplane, uh, when you're in a turn, you can't see 
um, traffic in in the opposite direction of the turn. Okay. Um, so you, you've raised that wing, you're blocking your view. Now you can crane your head around it, and, and, and as we all have, have come to do over the years. Um, the other thing going on that I think is, is a flexibility thing is, you know, how do you know, just, just as when flying a rectangular pattern, how do you know um, that your um, uh, turn uh, whether it be a turn to final or if it be the, the, the 180 degree uh, descending turn that we're talking about, how do you know that your turn is going to wind you up perfectly aligned with the final approach path? Right. It, nine times out of ten, it's not going to <clears throat> because you've misjudged the wind, because you didn't bank enough, or for some other reason. So I, I think we still will get into... Uh, these over control or these cross control situations where you're trying to you got some bank in you're trying to rudder the airplane around um, you're, you're gonna you're still gonna see that I think and I think you're also still gonna see issues with spotting traffic um, that's on final um, when you've got a raised wing in the way or you you can't see, see the runway because you've got a lowered wing in the way Um yeah so it's what works best for you in what situations and I would point out that there's nothing prohibiting anyone at any well except for towered airports and and, uh, uh, being being told to execute a pattern in a certain fashion Uh, there's nothing preventing anybody from doing this in any time just about anywhere any place right Assuming so, you're number one for the runway, and or more or less number one for the runway, it doesn't. It doesn't. That doesn't really matter either. Um, there's been a number of occasions where, whether I'm on a final or if I'm in the pattern, or and I think uh, Jack, you you remember a famous arrival in the Sebring one year, um, where I'm behind some guy. Um, what was that? Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, I don't know if it was the guy. I don't know if it was the guy behind me or the guy in front of me. I think it was the guy behind me actually. Yeah, uh, who was who was um, um, vocally saying, you know, I got to go around and something like that, and you know, I'm following uh, uh, an LSA or or a a 103 ultralight and something else in front of me, and I'm you know kind of in hover mode. Um, and somebody else in a 182 is you know, trying to do this at the speed of light. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't remember the details right. on that but, either. But but it, it, the punchline to me is you fly whatever you're most comfortable with, and you fly whatever is is most comfortable to you for the con- for the situation for yeah. the condition. I'm, I'm suddenly remembering one of my one of my favorite moments of uh, arriving at Oshkosh um, was. Uh, was a continuous turn of so uh, yeah I've told this story before. Um, I was arriving with a friend of mine in his uh, Arrow, um, and uh, and and like you and your your banana uh, and your uh, debonair, um, he knew this Arrow inside and out. He flew it unconsciously. Sure. All right, and uh, and he's a CFI, uh, so I was flying the airplane in the arrival, and we were sort of midfield downwind there to to uh, what two seven at. Uh, at Oshkosh, uh, you know, listening to the controllers just like you're doing. We're in the in the procedure, 
And suddenly, just before we were beamed, and usually, you, as you know, usually at Oshkosh, you kind of do the square pattern. You go out almost to the, the edge of the lake, if not a little over the lake, and then you do base and, and then final. So we're just about to beam the numbers, and the controller suddenly calls to us and says, you know, can can you turn to the runway right now and land on whatever dot it was? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and my my friend, it was great. It was great. So I'm flying the airplane, and I'm just like trying to keep everything very stabilized and very fine, all right? And uh, he hears this call, all right? And I glanced at him, and his eyes lit up, all right? <laughs> his eyes I, just, get, I get to show people what I can yeah, do. His eyes just Ooh. lit up, all right? His eyes lit up, and he says, my airplane, all right? <laughs> I said, your airplane, all right? And he took the controls, and he like chopped the power and threw in a bunch of flaps, and we did this just cool, you know, you know, one eighty uh, procedure in you know, a turn to uh, uh, to the runway, and it was great. You know, I mean, we just and it was beaut- It was a thing of beauty because we it was relatively steep too. Um, but my friend was. T- I never had a moment's concern. My friend was totally in control of his airplane because he just knew how to fly it. You know, uh, not unlike you and your debonair. Um, so, I personally have never been trained in this in this particular thing, this, this, uh, procedure, if you will. Um, and, uh, um, and I certainly have never practiced it. Uh, I have seen it done from the ground and obviously I've flown it. Now I didn't really think of it that way. And just the story I just told, um, I, on a number of different occasions, I've been sitting airplane watching, um, at various airports and seen somebody do this and thought, wow, that's pretty. I like that. That's, that's kind of cool. I wish I could do that. All right. Um, but, uh, it strikes me as being, I'm tempted to call it an advanced maneuver, and that's probably overstating the case. It strikes me as being more difficult to execute than the straight square pattern. Actually, that's like that airplane and conveyor belt thing. <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually simpler. Uh-huh. You make one continuous turn and modulate your descent rate with throttle and pitch as you're making that turn. You're only making one turn instead of two. Perhaps I'm uh, mistaken here, but it just it seems to me that it, it it somewhat depends on you being familiar with the performance of the aircraft. Um, if you fly rental well, airplanes like I do, all right, you know, but every Jack, airplane... that, that, that applies if, if, you're, if you're trying to fly a box pattern. But yeah. a box pattern has, to, in my mind, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the good thing, the benefit of giving you moments to get stabilized. Because um, every time you make one of these 90-degree turns and then fly straight for a couple minutes or whatever, a couple seconds, all right, you have an opportunity to get stabilized again. But you're stabilized in a descending turn. Yeah. But it's but it's a but it's a complex shape. Well, the, the, I hear you, David. I, I'm not I, I understand exactly what both of you are saying, yeah. and you're both you're both right, Jack. In your situation, because you've never executed one of these before, you have questions. You have you have doubts. You have yeah. you know, yeah, you, that, you, because you've never done it before. You're like, how, well, how is this going to work? Yeah. In in the event you will find that you actually, you know, you look at the runway, you, you judge how well you're approaching the runway and you make, uh, changes to the aircraft's configuration, its descent rate, its turn rate, whatever, uh, based on what you perceive, uh, as your position relative to the runway, just like you would when you fly a rectangular pattern. The, the sole difference is, well, there's really not a sole difference in that 
in a rectangular pattern, you level off momentarily on the base leg or perhaps longer than a moment. Um, in the, the, the continuous turn type of pattern, um, you can certainly level the wings momentarily. There's no rule that says you have to crank in, you know, exactly 23.56 mm-hmm. uh, degrees of bank and maintain that mm-hmm. from the downwind to short final. Um, and in fact, it's probably not a good idea to teach it that way. Another thing going on here is I think a lot of people um, have been watching too much, too many movies or, or whatever. And you don't have to cross the pavement, cross the runway threshold in that bank. Okay. You, you don't um, have to, um, let's put it another way. It's perfectly fine to uh, align yourself with the runway a, a half a mile out, okay. uh, a quarter mile out, a whole mile out, whatever. It, it's how you fly that approach um, that um, makes you comfortable mm-hmm. in whatever approach you want to fly. Is you know, I think a lot of people are blowing this up. You know, they're, they're overregulation. I can't. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to make a continuous turn. You don't have to. Okay. It's all good. Yeah. Just go with the flow. And the thing that appeals to me most about this, for some reason, controversial option, is that it allows me to keep my eyeballs on the runway end through the whole turn. Yeah, no. I mean, for you low-wing guys, I can see that being a real, real um, um, virtue. Yeah. If you do it right in a high-wing airplane, you'll see the runway the whole time. Uh, okay. I'll take your word on because that. Because you, 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 you make the turn it, so that you're seeing ahead of the wing as you make that turn. You're not waiting until the airplane banking will automatically block it. You start that turn just before so you can keep your eyeball on the runway. Right. That's the whole point is to be able to keep your eyeball on the runway threshold through the turn so that you can better modify for the conditions so that you roll out just ahead of the runway and and you're settled in. You're down to landing speed. You're at mm-hmm. the right attitude and the right power. And it's just one continuous maneuver where you never lose sight of the runway. Yeah. Because if you go downwind, unless you've got phenomenal visibility in an owl's neck, you're not going to see the end of the runway for a while until you somewhere in the base turn. And then you see that base turn. Well, then you start to make that turn again. Even in a high-wing airplane, you're not going to lose the sight of the runway if you do the square one correctly. Yeah. But as I said early on, the best thing is to pick what works best for you mm-hmm. and use it, perfect yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and my my advice would be to learn to do them both because they both have their moments when they're the best approach. Exactly. And, and only and, their moments. Yeah. You will find times when, you know, for whatever reasons, whether, whether it be wind, whether it be traffic, whether it be uh, you made a mistake choosing your, your downwind uh, trajectory, um, you will find that there are occasions where you're going to do this anyway. You're going to make a continuous turn anyway uh, because that's what is, is uh, um, desired, uh, demanded under the conditions. Um, it, to me, it's, I, I understand on, on, on some levels how this might be freaking some people out, but, um, 
in the actual practice, the actual application of this, it's a nothing burger. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I, I, yeah, okay. I'm going to have to give this a try and maybe get some training, but certainly do some practice of it. And uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, hey, yeah, uh, we yeah. are reaching the end of our allotted time here. I'm going to flip over the rest of the cards because there's nothing else on that list that's really all that interesting. And, oh, okay. Um, unless there's something there you guys really wanted to touch on. I, I think, you know, what do we have here? We had uh, uh, we had that poll follow-up, which is really a nothing burger. That's fine. I was, and we talked about that last episode. Yeah, and then we yeah. had drone stuff, which I'm more than happy to skip. Um, um, and then we had some crashes that maybe we should talk about. But let's push that off until we have a little more time. Well, we don't have any more data on those crashes. Yeah, we don't really have any information. There's a handful of of of, of, of I mean, every crash is is, uh, yeah, is troubling. The, but yeah, there was there was a rash of of uh, crashes between fatal crashes yeah. between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, and so uh, and maybe we should talk a little bit about what was going on there. But maybe we should know a little bit more before we do. So let's just hold, yeah. let's leave those on the list for next time or, or a future time. And uh, um, and so now I am going to say shout outs. What's going on? Anybody got anything? I actually have nothing. I got nothing. Oh, really? Okay. I'd like to uh, David? Shout, out to, shout out to our listeners for sticking with us all these years. Yeah. And hope that they have a great 17 with lots of air time so that they'll live forever. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Is that your way of saying that you really don't have a shout out? That's my uh, way of saying I don't have a shout well, out. Oh, there okay. is one here. There is one here. With well, your there's one, one there, but maybe it doesn't rise to the level of, you know, I don't know. Does anybody want it? Otherwise, I'll just move on. Why don't we make it a threesome? Let's let's all buy that one or own that one. And, okay. And we, we could talk about the Corporate Angel Network. Yeah, what's I that think all that's about? a great idea. Tell tell us uh, what the Corporate Angel Network is. Dave, go ahead. Well, the Corporate Angel Network, and the reason we're bringing this up is because it just. Uh, just hit 35 years of philanthropic flying but uh, back on December 22nd. And what the Corporate Angel Network does is provide empty seats on business jets for cancer patients Mm -hmm. to get them to where they can receive needed treatment and get them home again. And for some reason, the link is refusing to load on my computer. That's very weird. Well, so anyway, claim that you oh, that's, that's yeah. The the link is foobar. Oh, I see. Um, hang on, I'll I'll find you. I can let me fix it. let me see if I can fix it. And hang on. It, it, meanwhile, the Corporate Angel Network started 35 years ago when uh, the founding uh, uh, father realized that he, he could help someone out by giving them a lift. Uh, I believe it was a little curl uh, in the seat of his uh, his business aircraft. And he started the organization formally, and, and Jeb's got the link up. There you go. There we go. The uh, the idea was simple. Pat Bloom, a pilot and recovering cancer cancer patient, noticed a large number of corporate aircraft landing at Westchester in White Plains, New York, with one or two passengers and disembarking. She thought those planes could be invaluable to helping get cancer patients to treatment centers. And according to interviews that she gave at the time, she and Jay Weinberg, also a cancer survivor, discussed the concept with Leonard Green, president of Safe Flight Instrument Corporation. You may have used their stall indicators. Uh, 
he had a uh, great reaction to the idea, and the Corporate Angel Network was, uh, was formally started and made its first flight in on December 22 of 81 uh, between White Plains and Detroit, Michigan. And the patient was a 22-year-old student who was seeing a specialist at Memorial Sloan Kettering for his bone cancer. Uh, they do good work. Mm-hmm. The NBAA has a fundraiser for them at its convention every year. They have flown more than 51,000 cancer patients. Wow. Uh, you know, all these years. Uh, more than 500 major corporations who uh, share their empty seats with the Corporate Angel Network. And it's a public charity uh, that is uh, exists solely for this purpose. So... Very cool. CorporateAngelNetwork.org is the link. Send them a few shekels and help in the cause. Mm-hmm. Or volunteer for a similar organization with your own plane, like Angel yep. Flight. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, CAN has been around for seemingly forever, uh, and they do great work. And it's it's phenomenal that they've done 35 years of this. And, and uh, whether they've saved lives, they certainly... Uh, made the many lives much more bearable, and uh, um, that's it's all good. Yeah, a good good way to use your airplane to help out others, for sure, for sure. All right then. Um, so Jeb, uh, so just so that I do yeah. not show any favoritism here, um, you, tell, <laughs> you tell me which one of you guys no, no, I should no, thank is, first. Is, no, no, which one of strictly, you should? It's strictly a winter weather kind of thing, and I and and I I don't care. I have I'm a completely agnostic. I on think this. that you're bringing it up would <coughs> beg that question, but okay, all right. Well, okay. then I'm going to go with you first, Jeb. Thank hey, you so much. hey, always, how are you? It's always fun to talk with you, and uh, appreciate you taking some time. I'm really really looking forward my visit uh yeah uh, me too beginning uh, next week so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun yeah. um for those of you who don't know jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor currently serving as the editor-in-chief of aviation safety magazine what have you been working on that's uh, you can tell us about? um just put together finished up the uh february issue of aviation safety yesterday uh so i'm i'm i'm, I'm in basking mode again um, so I got that done, uh, looking forward to, to that hitting the streets and getting some feedback, um, ginning up, um, another piece for general aviation news, um, a monthly column I do, I write for them. Um, I've also got a couple of articles in the mix for, uh, avionics news, um, and working on those. Um, and, uh, right now I'm, I'm just looking forward, <clears throat> excuse me, to getting a couple of days off and. And uh, spending some time with some friends. I got a few new toys to play with. I want to kind of do that. And and uh, um, obviously, great great talking with you two guys today. Always a pleasure. Very cool. Um, yeah. Where so, can people find you on the internet? I was just going to get to that. So look for me on aviationsafetymagazine.com, uh, aea.net, generalaviationnews.com. And who knows, you know, coming to a... a um, an email or a uh, uh, an online column uh, near you. Very cool. Very cool. And Dave Higdon, uh, uh, who uh, I, I, it's, hang in there with the cold, man. I know you can do it. Um, is an aviation. <laughs> for, it's always good talking with you, David. All kidding aside, um, David is an avi- aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Uh, you're just crazy busy these days. Good for you. Uh, well, I've got uh, my first 
F Buyer Blog of the Year uh, to be posted on uh, Friday morning, the uh, 6th of uh, January. And we talk about the need for uh, pilots and aircraft owners to have their lawmakers, their federal lawmakers' numbers on speed dial because there's going to be another big push to privatize ATC. And many studies have found that nothing influences senators and congressmen more than floods of phone calls from constituents. And it even forced the uh, members of the House to backtrack on a uh, effort to gut their own ethics office earlier this week on their first day of business. <laughs> so we knew, know it works. Yeah. And now, literally phone calls or just any sort of contact? Phone no, calls. Phone calls. Really? Okay. Phone calls. Not, not, not online petitions, not Facebook, not email, not text messages. Phone calls. Really? There's okay. A, very interesting. There's an, there's an old tagline that I remember uh, from from years ago on the internet. You know, it's basically when you care enough to click send, uh, and and that's kind of um, yeah. yeah, that kind of gives it away. Um, pick up the phone, call your elected representative's local office. Don't call their DC office. Don't you know? Don't leave yeah. a voicemail, or, or if you'd have to leave a voicemail being explicit let's let's be polite and professional but let's be explicit on what you're what you're calling about uh and and look for a callback and if you never get to talk to a human keep calling back is the punchline but but for 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 members of the house call their local district offices even if it's a long distance call for you um for the senate same thing call the nearest office they have go by and visit them talk to people okay um this is important. I would suggest that there will be a number of issues this year that are not aviation related on which you might want to make phone calls. Yeah, okay. And 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 I would ex- I would imagine that it's not so important to have some sort of um, rational thought out argument as it is to just be able to express in very simple terms I am in favor or opposed to X, and and I hope that my representative will back me up on it or something like that. I, I, I think you want to express what your, your your point of view and get in their database is my is my point yeah right? that that's that's it that's the critical part part of it uh you may in fact be asked by a staffer well why is it what what is what aspect of this okay. issue uh um is is mo- is of most concern to you because so many issues are not as clear-cut and when they they get to being debated there is, are often attempts to water them down or change them mm-hmm. that might or might not make them more palatable to to certain opposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you do need to be educated on the topic and educated on possibilities for changes uh, to the issue when it's being debated. But um, the simple fact of of and, and the, the simple fact may be that. You, there's no way to to put lipstick on that pig for you mm-hmm. that you oppose ATC privatization, for example, uh, without without debate, without uh, uh, just the entire concept. There's no you can't be half pregnant. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Okay, very interesting. Uh, you'll notice, by the way, that I let palatable just slide on by. All right, we just let that go. David, we and, hijacked uh, your goodbye. Uh, what else are you working on? Well, I uh, am very tickled to say we've got the uh, I've got the cover story on the January avionics news, ah. and it's a uh, uh, look at the it's the first look 
Ed Garment's new G1000 NXI that they offered uh, reporters. Did it early in uh, December, uh, turned the story in, and Avionics News uh, held space for me to get it in and put the picture on the cover, and we published the day that Garmin issued a press release. So uh, if you're one of the 16,000 people flying behind a G1000 system, you might find what the upgrade options are uh, to be of interest. If you're not flying behind it and have given any thought to it, you might find the weight that you can save in a lot of airplanes to be of interest. Anywhere from 250 to 400 pounds out of a King Air. Seriously? To go to a G1000 system. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the older the King Air, the higher the weight savings. Uh, they expect a typical weight savings for a uh, later model non-G1000 uh, airplane to be 250 pounds. And if you've got a G1000 system, which Cessna has already announced they're putting in their pistons and turboprops, uh, and their light jets. Uh, there's weight savings in just upgrading because of the differences in the screen. But the new screens go in the same holes, use the same connectors. They just deliver a lot more features at a lot greater speed. And some interesting uh, add-ons like VFR published VFR approaches mm -hmm. that you can enter in the GPS. Hmm. And let the flight management system fly up for Very you. Very cool. We should look for that piece. Look for which that piece. which yeah. King Air models are this? Is this retrofitable to all of them, or, or? Well, they're targeting all of them? But so far, they've got the uh, the uh, two hundred, and they expect the uh, three fifty series to be uh, cool. STC uh, within a couple of weeks. Uh, Cessna is already installing them in the one seventy two, one eighty two, two hundred six. Uh, the uh, uh, Caravan and the uh, M2, they're upgrading their G1000 systems. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a flurry of STCs for other upgrades uh, to existing airplanes. And uh, Cirrus is already delivering the system in its uh, Generation 7, I believe they call it, uh, uh, SR20 and SR22. Hmm. They now call it the Cirrus Perspective Plus mm -hmm. with the NXI system. It's very slick. I was, I've was i got enough time sitting behind a G1000 system in uh, other airplanes to recognize some of the uh, significant differences in features, and particularly in how fast it boots up and how fast it processes stuff. Right, like right. if you're scrolling around a map, it's it's almost instantaneous instead of you going off the map and it needing a few seconds to reload the, the data. You can get things like moving map pictures in the HSI uh, on the primary flight dis display. Uh, it's it, it's quite an upgrade. Uh, cool. They were a long time working on it, and you can find it at... Uh, AEA.net, where avionics news is uh, available. Very cool. Are they going to give you one of these G1000s to put in your Sonics? I don't think I have the panel space for it. <laughs> you just you, mentioned you think they'd you... give you a free sample. I know. Huh? Where else can people find you on the internet, David? Oh, uh, www.avbuyer.com. Uh, and uh, where my uh, 
monthly stories and weekly business aviation blog appear. Uh, when I'm able to do it, uh, Aviation Safety Magazine uh, occasionally, and I hope to get back into that soon. Uh, or uh, on a Twitter, I'm Rio Higdon. And uh, on LinkedIn, uh, I'm Dave Higdon. There you go. There you go. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Um, on the aviation front, I just picked up um, an, an old project that I haven't touched in quite some time, and that is to try and get together uh, volume three of my Around the Field uh, collected columns. And, oh, uh, and so I, I actually made some really great progress on that in the last few days. I'm optimistic that maybe I can actually get it, get it published eventually. Um, this will uh, contain uh, I, uh, uh, all the columns that I wrote from 2000. Five, six, and seven um, at Air Venture. It's really interesting to read them again. Uh, a really lot of cool people I met over the years, just wandering around the field and uh, and chatting with people and uh, interesting stories there. So uh, I'll let you know more about that uh, when the when we actually get it published. It'll be an ebook through uh, through uh, Kindle and probably uh, Apple's uh, iBooks. So uh, working on that and uh, getting ready to go to Florida. You can follow me at uh, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, and you can also learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, we had He and I had a long con- conversation the other day. We were brainstorming a little bit about how to uh, bring the uh, UCAP show notes into the 21st century. Um, they're, they're kind of a, a weird... Uh, 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 cacophony, if you will, of forms and formats and, and ways that we've done them over the years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You actually use the word cacophony and you're gigging me on palatable? Yeah, palatable. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out how to make the uh, show notes, uh, first of all, fix them because a few of them have gotten broken over the years because of old systems we were using. And so we're trying to get them all like working on some level and then maybe upgrade them to be a little bit more searchable, which would be a great goal. So uh, great conversation conversation with Jeff about that and about things we might do there. Thanks to him for his help there. And also in the forums, we're trying to get the forums kind of re reborn, if you will. Um, and it's slowly starting to pick up. Um, it's a slow thing. Um, and I'm going to encourage people to go there. Um, I'm going to post a, the beginning of a thread talking about this uh, continuous turn to the runway thing and, uh, and invite listeners to go to the forums and weigh in on your view on this and, uh, um, and whatnot, um, as well as just general comments about this episode. Thanks to Jeff. Uh, also, a big thanks to uh, Mike Morgan and to Roy Searle and Jim Goldman and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP Disclaimer Clips. Uh, please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. Uh, you can get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. And while you're at it, go into iTunes and give us a review and click some stars and some thumb ups and thumbs up. It really does help get the word out about the podcast. You can follow the uh, podcast on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. That's all one word, the word class, the letter G, and the word airspace uh, on Twitter. You never know what might turn up there. There have been some interesting threads there as people uh, have conversations with us about various things. You can also listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app 
Takeoff, along with other podcasts and special sporties content. Uh, get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store. Uh, and don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. Uh, Ten years worth of UCAP show notes, old versions and new soon, uh, as well as all the episode downloads are all available there on the website. And last but not least, chat with us directly and with many of your other fellow listeners at the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, were you going to say something? Best way to live uh, long enough to see the end of this century is, uh, is go fly, because well, you all know this. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. I suspect that for some, the cacophony of noise would be unpalatable from this podcast. <laughs> 